I'm going to go ahead and kick us off and just frame up our time together. My name is Erica Jordan Thomas. I am so excited to be here with you all tonight. I am a former teacher, former instructional coach, former assistant principal, former principal. I moved here to Cambridge, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston three years ago to get my doctorate. And I am graduating next month. And so that journey is getting ready to wrap up. I launched my consulting business three years ago, a little, well, actually over three years ago. And since that time, it's been the most beautiful journey. I've been able to expand my impact. I've been able to find and continue to grow my financial freedom. And in doing so, it has grown my passion of supporting other educators and doing the same. And so I have a 12-week program called Get Launch Consulting specifically for educators who are are ready to launch their own consulting business. They're just like, I want to do this, but I don't know how. And it's like, I got you. So we're here this evening <laughs> with Inno. <laughs> Listen, Remington is, is going <laughs> in in these, these comments it. and I'm so here for it. I'm so here for it. I'm so excited tonight for you all to hear the story of Inno, who was an alum of, of Get Launch Consulting. And so we're going to talk all about her consulting journey. And so welcome Inno into the chat. Show her some love as we go through our time together. If you have questions, drop those into the chat. But Inno, let's start off by just, you already kind of gave us a little bit of a preview, but uh, share with us your education movie trailer. If there was a movie made about your education journey, what would be some of those pivotal moments that led you to this moment? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me again, Erica. Dr. EJT, you know, congrats on defending that thesis. How thank you. Doing it big. Yeah. So my education trailer. Okay. So I would say starts with little girl growing up in Ghana. And before she knows that her world is turned upside down at the age of seven, when her family moves to the United States, you know, in pursuit of the American dream. And so a lot of my, you know, childhood and consisted of learning to speak English, adjusting in inner city Houston, um, going through the school systems, um, learning to speak English through books and lots of reading. And then I pretty much, you know, went on to high school. I went to a magnet high school and um, really thought I wanted to be a doctor. It was a school for medical professions. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? That's a good job. Let's go for it. Ended up in Nashville and at Vanderbilt. So on the pre-med track and, you know, I'm very passion driven. So whatever I do, like I just want to be passionate about it. And so I I knew that being a doctor was like a good job, right? Like, you know, being mm-hmm. African, like who's either be an engineer or a doctor, like that, that day, you need to have a good job, right? So through that, I had I worked with kids and summer programs and things like that. So I knew that I wanted to work with children. So in my mind, I thought that was pediatrics. And so throughout my journey though, through preparing for med school and everything, just didn't feel right. You know, I just didn't have that passion like I normally have for things that I do. But I was like going along with it. I ended up shadowing doctors, um, mm-hmm. pediatricians. And so that was really eye-opening. I was like, oh, this is it. I'm looking for more than just like giving the kid a shot or, you know, talking to the kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really sure what that was yet. Fast forward, you know, I'm like in physics lab in college and I was like, I don't like this. Like, and it just hit, like, I don't have to do this, you know? And so I literally like getting ready to apply for the med, med school and everything like that. And so I was like, oh, well, if I don't want to do this, then what is it that I want to do? I majored in child development and medicine health society with a minor in Spanish in college. And so I decided as I was getting ready to graduate, I was like, well, I need to figure out what I want to do. So I ended up doing like an alternative teaching program, something similar to TFA, the teaching mm-hmm. fellows program. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with education. Started off as a high school teacher, specialized in literacy and English language learners. And I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I taught there, went on to get my master's and the master's program moved me to middle school because it was a full ride, but you had to work in like urban middle schools. So did that and fell in love with it. So taught in the public schools in Nashville and then moved on to Charter World Middle School. And then I became an assistant principal there and have just like been loving it. So um, this is my 10th year as an educator, fourth year as an assistant principal with a focus like in literacy um, and humanities. And I absolutely love it. So that's that's my education trailer. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. I don't I don't think we've talked about this, but I was born in Nashville. I could not give anybody directions <laughs> at all. 
because my family moved when I was two, but some of my sisters, um, my half sisters, they grew up in Nashville. And so anytime I meet amazing educators like you in the city of Nashville, I think about because my nieces and nephews are still there. And so such a a beautiful movie trailer of, of just your education journey. And so let's kind of give people context to your business and then we'll like, kind of dive into some of those details. Let's start with, tell us the problem that your business is solving. Yeah. So the problem my business is solving is this idea. I truly believe that literacy reading is the great equalizer and that um, students who are well-read just have access to so much knowledge that allows them to excel at school. And all their subjects, there's so much research that say students who have high reading levels, who read a lot, do well in math and science and all of their other subjects. And so I'm solving supporting schools to really build robust independent reading programs, literacy programs that really promote a love of reading so that scholars are really able to grow exponentially academically and just have access to opportunity beyond measure that comes from the knowledge and the gaps that reading close. Well, and here's what I know about your journey, because first off, okay, that just snatched my edges of like (laughs) the problem you just laid out for us of like, okay, we see you. And the way that is clear, just even by the way that you just like gave that succinct like problem statement that like, this is this is your zone of genius. Like this is something that you are uniquely positioned to be able to to create results within. One thing that I know about your journey though is that like this was not the first problem statement that you started with. And so walk us through and it cause cause this is this is the this is the hard part for for an entrepreneur and then specifically for an educator who is moving into education consulting yeah. is identifying the problem that your business is solving. And what we talk about, what we've had conversations around is like we as educators, our profession, I mean, it's it's when you step back and think about what our profession requires us to do, like our profession requires us to do so many things that you cannot be a successful educator if you are not multi-talented. Like you have to be able to do multiple things at once. You have to be able to build relationships. You have to know your content. You have to know how to build a healthy, nurturing, positive classroom culture while maintaining high expectations. And each one of those is a different like bucket of expertise and skill sets. And so part of one of the you know biggest challenges for educators who are making the transition into entrepreneurship and launching their consulting business is figuring out what's the one problem that they're going to start with. And that's where I push people, pick one, not five. Yep. One, (laughs) because with every problem you're solving in your business requires a whole nother level of business systems and structures that you have to to build out. And so I tell folks, start with one. This may not be the only problem you're ever going to solve in your business, but like, What's the problem you're going to start with? So talk to us about like your journey and evolution to to landing on the beautiful problems statement that you just named. Where did you start? What like data did you collect that was like, no, I don't think that's it. So let me try this. Just give us a little bit of, of that story. Yeah. I mean, going back to what you said, right? This idea, I think one of the biggest things I took out of the class is many nuggets, but this idea is like, pick one and narrow it down. That was hard, right? Because as an assistant principal, like you're saying, you know, there's so many buckets, things that you're good at, things that you do. And so figuring out, okay, are these things that I am, Remington mentioned big, big leap energy. And I know that comes up so much in the talk, right? <laughs> And, you know, it talks about your zone of um, genius versus your zone of, what is it, excellence or, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so many things that are in our zone of excellence that we do well and it can seem like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. So this is it versus like, oh, like this is my jam. Like I feel Mm -hmm. good. I can talk about this all day long. Like it just feels like, you know. And so I would say when I first, you know, started, like I decided that I wanted to start my consulting company, I really didn't know. I just knew that I had the skill sets. I was like, I have something to offer I can create, you know. And so, but as far as like exactly what, I really didn't know. But I was like, you know what? Get launched consultants, get launched um, consultants, gonna give you right. And so, through that process, I started to think about like your, you know, I started big with all the different things. And so, I did 
going through the classes, pick something that I thought like, yeah, this is it. And I went with something that I felt like I was immediately good at, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of like what I created everything around. And so not until afterwards, right? And what I loved about classes, we get so many resources and you can go back and tweak and fix. And so not until afterwards did I realize, and really it was just like through my work, my what I'm doing at work. And I was like, oh, wait, this is the thing that I love though. Mm-hmm. You know, like talking to teachers about reading, helping them build reading programs and helping students like talking about all the ways, you know, from access to books, to investment strategies and seeing students like really grow as readers or see the impact. And I was like, oh, like of all the things, yes, I coach teachers. Yes. You know, I do PDs, I manage, I do all that. I create systems, but this is my jam, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it took like, it was important to just get started. Like you said, pick something. And so the act of picking something, trying to flesh out my problem statement, my receipts and all of that, having done that groundwork when the light bulb really went off, it was so easy to just like tweak and like really finesse, you know? Mm. What I love about that so much is the data that you collected or that I just heard you talked about was like the data, like, how does this actually make me feel? Do I enjoy this? And I think that's so important because oftentimes, A, as marginalized people, B, as educators, we, we're not always afforded the opportunity to have a choice mm-hmm. or like we're not always afforded the opportunity of like being able to say no to the things that don't give me energy and saying yes to the things that I want to say yes to. And so to hear you just name that, that example of like realizing through an experience of like, oh, this gave me this like immense level of joy and like listening to, to that internal feeling I just think that's so beautiful because how freeing that is to A, feel that feeling and then B, be able to go after that and move in that direction versus telling yourself this narrative of, well, I have to do this thing, even though I may not be super passionate about it. I have to do that. I just love that because that's just a beautiful example of just freedom. You have the power to make a choice. And that's the beautiful thing about running your own business of you can make whatever choices you want. (laughs) Like if you don't want to do something, don't do it. And you, this, I mean, this is your company. And so if you want to say no, say no. And so, so, okay. So you had this problem statement, you got clear on this problem statement. So how did you then begin to think about your services? Just how did, how did you begin to, how how did that make you think about the services you wanted to offer? So I'm going to shout out uh, Remington in the chat because Remington is actually a coach, you know, he's my coach. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, I took everything that I learned from the courses and then I was ready to flesh it out. And with the work that we did together, we were able to like really think like something he taught me, data collection. So I had to figure out, well, first of all, do people really need this? You know? And so we like created surveys and reached out to other teachers, you know, other educators that I knew to see like, okay, though, you know, and at the time we were really in the heat of the pandemic. So really trying to figure out, you know, what are the holdups right now when it comes to culture of independent reading? Is this even something Mm -hmm. important right now? virtual school. Some people are hybrid, like it's books and reading, like even a priority. What's the, you know, is it motivation? You know, and so we kind of doing that survey and really getting, getting a sense of like what schools were needing was really, really helpful and figuring out, okay, so what services do I want to offer that? So kind of doing that work. And then like, I just like would go back to the resources and look at, you know, some of the things we talked about in class about different service models. And I think coming out of that, I was able to narrow down that, okay, I really, want to offer professional development around topics around literacy, reading, motivation, all of that, you know. And I also wanted to offer like consulting, one-on-one consulting with school leaders, literacy specialists within the school or network. Because mm-hmm. I just I just kind of weigh what I do, what I do well, what I love, and the way that I wanted to like support and solve this issue. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Oh. Y'all, here's here's what's so beautiful about this. What you just said of you talked to your target client, Mm -hmm. it models what is so necessary in the education sector. It doesn't happen often of like actually talking to the people we want to (laughs) serve. I think that's the beautiful thing about educators who are transitioning to education consulting because not all consultants who are in the education space have, have been educators. So just naming that, 
that that's one of the most unique gifts that we have is when we're moving into education consulting as educators, we're bringing with ourselves the values that we, we've carried that have been manifested within our classrooms, actually talking to the people that we want to serve. But like, that's like how we talk to our kids of like, tell me how, how I can best construct a classroom environment that is going to position you best to learn. Taking that same approach of, of allowing our target audience to help us construct and determine the best services to offer in our business. So you said you did a survey. Was there any other things that you did just to kind of help you kind of get some of that feedback? Yeah. So long survey. I know one thing we did in class was we did the, you know, real challenge to kind of like do those interviews for people. Mm-hmm. And so that I did. So I got on the phone with a couple of people. Some people I just like, you know, Instagram them or message them just to get their insights, you know? So there was like the kind of Google form, but then there was also like sit down conversations with people and just and like leaders. When I say people for me, like I was zoning in on either teachers, most of them were like assistant principals, leaders mm. to just hear more about what, well, just like where they were. These are friends and people that I was connected to then it's been a while, you know, with everything that's happened. But I also had those one-on-one conversations to just hear what was going on. Yeah. Mm, mm. So this is so good. So you've you've learned about your target client. You've based off of that, then determined, all right, here are the services that I want to offer. So then how did you get your first contract? Yeah. Like how did that happen? So I guess I have like contract one A and then contract like probably one. So Okay. So I was, Come on, Multiple Give us the story. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. So even before, like, I started taking the um, get launched consultant courses, I started class. I remember I was so upset. Like, you were like really like heaven sent. Like when I had my epiphany, I was like, oh my goodness, I want to expand. I want to start my own business. I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to learn? You know? And I was looking at books, and I will never forget. Like, there's a group me that I'm a part of actually, and like you posted a flyer, and I was like. <gasps> Like I never even heard of like an education consulting. Like I had to like Googling stuff, couldn't really find anything. I was like, whoa. And so of course, you know, your course wasn't like for months away though. But I just like started pretty much stalking you. I was like, I need to know everything she knows. I learned so much. And so I got on your Instagram and you were doing like a series where it was like leading up to your birthday at the time. And every day mm. you would post something. You remember that? It was like, you know, mm-hmm. 30 days, whatever. And you posted mm-hmm. a little snippet. I mean, I live for those things. I was just like soaking it all up. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. But one of it, I think it was through that or maybe like after I enrolled, it was kind of like the welcome package, one of the podcasts that you have. But you talked about this idea. It's like, first thing you want to do is you want to just get it out there, you know, get out. And of course, like, this is even before I even like create an RES or anything like that. I didn't have a problem saying I didn't have anything. But I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to just start with my stock market. So I literally a couple of kind of other organizations in the education field that I was connected with. I was like, hey, you know, I'm looking to do some contract work. So just let, you know, if you need anything. And lo and behold, one of them reached out to me and was like, hey, this project we're working on, you know, if you're interested. So that's really became like my, <laughs> I know, right? It was like even before. And so when I was in the class, I actually got offered that contract. So that was cool um, to just do that. And But then I would say like the first contract that got asked in a Richardson Consulting was a professional development. You know, that's one of the services that I provide. Mm-hmm. And so part of, you know, our program, you know, we have our Slack channel for our, uh, you know, uh, the lunch consulting. I think you put a flyer for a school district that was looking for people to like, you know, present at a of like a whole like professional it's like a network it's a network of schools <laughs> of California and so I looked at what they were offering I was like oh this is up my alley so I kind of wrote a bio and you know what I could provide and um and I presented it and of course I was so nervous I was like I'm taking it set me and it was past the deadline and then they said you know and I was like oh I must not have gotten it because I didn't hear anything back and then they emailed like hey we had a large number of applicants we're still going through so I was like okay and so lo and behold I ended up getting it so I ended up um so that was like my first like annual Richardson consultant like professional development mm. it went really well I got like really great feedback so that was such like a great motivation motivator for me they're like oh this is needed like people People really appreciate and enjoyed. They found it valuable and impactful for their work and work with students. And so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love this so much. And this is this is one of the things because you brought up something of finding out about the the this potential PD opportunity through Get Launch Consulting through the community. I, that's so important around like one of the reasons why you need to have an entrepreneurial squad because part of it is like you know you just have to 
be comfortable talking and sharing about your business. And when you're in a community of other education consultants, those are more people who not only are learning about your business and the problem that you're solving, but they're educators. They have a whole network of your target client. And so by being in that type of community with other educators who themselves could be your target client and or they're definitely connected to your target client, that sets you up for the referrals, for the opportunities. And so just naming that, because I think oftentimes people people talk themselves out of building that community because sometimes that community comes through investing in yourself and investing in your business and finding coaching and and connecting with other people. So someone just asked in in the chat, how did you convince someone to give you a chance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can start. And if you want to add, Erica, you want to go first? Okay, so I think... One, that's what is really important. I will say it's important to know like what it is that you're trying to solve, the problem you're trying to solve. Once you find that problem, then it's like you just, you articulate. So an example of the PD, like once I knew like, oh, this is my jam. I'm all about reading development and building cultures of reading. I want, you know, specifically black and brown kids. Like I want to use reading as a great equalizer to really help. Then it was like, oh, I can talk about reading. Whatever you need for reading, I've got you. Literacy, I've got you, you know? And so the way I convinced them, and so in this example of the professional development, I had the opportunity to like really write a proposal. And it's like, what would you present about? And it was specifically related to Black children affirming Black children, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what would you present about what you want teachers, educators, you know, to know? They had all kinds of offers that they presented. But I was very clear that, hey, I believe that reading, I believe that exposing Black children to a diverse selection of books, I believe that educators also need to present Black children with books that help them to see windows and mirrors. I mean, it was just like I was very passionate and clear on like the what I wanted to present and the impact it would have on students, on educators, on teachers, on the school. And so I think that became the convincing the convincing aspect is like, this is the problem. This is how I, uh, this, these are solutions and this is how it's going to help students, help them to grow academically as people. And I think that helped to um, bring some convincing aspect to it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Cause what I hear you saying is like, look, I got receipts. <laughs> so like, like I just ain't showing up as if I haven't done this before. Like that's, that's the beauty. And, and y'all, I re I emphasize this, this point so much because I mean, it can sound like a small thing of the experience you have as an educator. You not only have done the work, you're doing the work. And I emphasize this so much as someone who has been on consulting engagements with consultants in a, with a school district. We're, we're on a team together at a large urban school district. They're being paid to consult the school district. And I'm on teams with consultants who never worked in schools. And I'm sitting there listening to them as a former teacher, as a former principal. And I'm like, what you're saying makes no sense in the context of a school. Now, it makes sense in the context of a business corporation or an organization. And schools are businesses, yes. However, when you're putting you know, the, the nuance of communities at the center of kids, who's your target client, like the target client isn't, isn't you know, some woman who's in, in between the age of 25 to 35 who does all. No, no, no. Our, who we serve is communities and kids. And that brings a different nuance that if you have not had that experience, if you haven't had the experience of teaching a class of 25 to 30 kids and your internet just went out five minutes before before and then you got somebody who knows is runny you got somebody who ha- didn't take their medicine before they left you got somebody who is half asleep because they they have other things going on at home then you got somebody who finishing their work early like when you have all these nuances yep. and that's just five of the kids out of 30 if you've never been in that situation okay. then you can't advise a school district or te- you don't you can't take those nuances into consideration when you're you're advising. And so what I hear you saying is 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 I have receipts and the receipts of doing the work mm-hmm. is is already what's gonna set you apart. The only other thing that I would add, and I share this, you know, with with folks, is that you should most certainly 
be starting with in terms of where you're starting with identifying your client base and your business when you're just early on, you should be starting with people in your network. And so with starting with people in your network, you don't have to convince. (laughs) I should say as much because they know your receipts. And so I've had my consulting business for three years. And guess what? I've never had to really convince anybody because mm-hmm. everybody, all the opportunities I've received, I've never had to send a cold email. I've never had to go after the opportunities. And my my consulting business is a six-figure business. I've never had to convince. Mm-hmm. I just had to put myself out there to my network, people yeah. who know me. And they're just like, oh, Erica's doing principal culture? Erica, let me, let me, let me highlight you for a second. Like, how do I book a consultation? Yeah. So I just named that because I think that's one of the ways uh, we get in our own way mm-hmm. is we we assume that we don't know our clients and our client doesn't know us. And that could be a reality when you've mm-hmm. built your business to a part point to where you've saturated your own network. So now you have to actually start marketing to a cold audience, but that's not where you start. And Vanessa, I completely agree with you. It is frightening to know that there are consultants who have never done this work who are advising school districts. That's why I'm so passionate about providing educators with the tools to be able to launch their own business if that's what's on their heart. Because part of it is like, A, we need you. And B, our industry is so undervalued Mm -hmm. um, that actually creating a consulting business is another stream of income that you could actually be doubling, tripling your salary through your consulting business with half the half amount of time that you're like like working in your full-time job. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating you need to leave your job because if you love your job, stay at your job. And you don't need to sacrifice your financial freedom to do what you love. So just just naming that as as, as some things in consideration. Um, so folks have questions, continue to drop those into the chat. I see one question. Before we move there, you mentioned something, you know, about like like putting yourself out there. And one of the things that I definitely, you know, would love for you to talk about is your social media presence. And so if you all are not following, you know, you need to, to follow her because her social media game is so strong and so tight. And let me be really clear, social media may not be the marketing strategy for everybody. But if you decide for that to be your strategy, you need to be consistent. And it was an amazing example of consistency when it comes to social media of like amazing content that it's aligned to the problem of your business. So talk to us around how you, you, you think through your, first off, how did you pick social media as like the lever that you wanted to pull? And then like, how did, what moves do you make to like be consistent and come up with your content? Just talk to us about that. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to shout out Remington again. (laughs) But um, so first, even before I talk about my business, social media, I will say like me and you, we had a one-on-one, right? Because I I do love social media. I love Instagram. I also like have another business that I do. So I have like a a whole personal social media page, right? And I remember when we did our one-on-one at the end of our program, you know, I asked you like, should I just merge? You know, we talked about that. Do I merge what I already what I already have on social media, my Instagram page, or do I create something completely different? And something that we talked about for me, it made sense for me to separate it only because like I had a whole nother business on my personal page that mm-hmm. was my education business, you know? And so I had like done a lot of stuff on my personal page already. And so that kind of like gave me like a whole different industry. And so when I started my business page, one, once again, and you know, know, this idea of like knowing what I wanted to do, once I really figured out what my, what my problem is going to solve is just made it like, because it's something I love. I'm like, I could come up with stuff for this all day. Mm -hmm. But something Remington and I did do is like, we just kind of created like themes and topics, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like one day I'm going to do like a book recommendation, you know, talk about the Lexile. One day, you know, I'm going to do a quote about reading. One day I'm going to do, um, you know, like a little reel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I love reels. They're so much fun. And what I do is like, and I don't recreate anything, you know, like 
you don't recreate the wheel. You just apply to your context. For example, the reels, like I would literally see what's trending, what's the new, you know, what's like the trend, trendiest reel song, and I would just make it apply to reading or education. Mm. You know, and I just take a spin off of that that way. I'll also, so that's an example of one way I did it. Um, so some days, you know, I might do like, oh, I do a lot of personal develop. I do a lot of like reading of like professional development books. And so one day, like I'm going to do a professional development. And so that's kind of really, so what helps with social media is kind of, Think about themes so that it's not like you're having to, you feel like you create something new every day. You just plug and chug. It's like, oh, when was the last time I did a quote? Okay, I'm going to do a quote today. Oh, I haven't done a book recommendation. I'll do it. And you kind of like rotate. At my best, like I'm rotating. Sometimes, you know, something new might pop up. Like I put like, you know, the flyer for our talk, you know, on there. Mm-hmm. That was something that I hadn't, you know, that's not part of my normal deck. But I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense right here. You know, I also pay attention to what's trending and like what's going on, you know, when the serious matters happen in our society. You know, you plug those things in. But I love social media. I just think it's fun. It's a great way, like, I've gotten to connect and grow my community that way, too. Like, a whole nother community outside of just, like, my personal social media page. So it's been really cool to collaborate with other educators, get to see other people in the education field, um, doing all kinds of work. You know, I've met so many educators who are authors, you know, educators who are leading your own schools and running consulting companies. You know, it's just, like, really exciting. So, mm. so I'm hearing you say, like, you enjoy social media. I do. It's <laughs> I worry. You know, sometimes it is like, you know, definitely got to make the time for it. But I think yeah. that because I do kind of have like a plug and chug system, I'm able to like quickly like put something together. Also use resources like Canva. I know like, you know, get launched consulting. We should, you know, you share so many resources, but um, like Canva and things like that to make it look cute or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. I mm. And so, and how much time would you say that you spend on a week in, on social media? On a week on social media? I would say like, Sometimes it takes like 10 minutes to put together a post because a lot of it is just stuff that I'm, you know, like if I'm sharing a resource about a book I've already read, I'm just pulling it off the shelf, like refreshing mm. my memory and like taking a picture and adding some things on it. You know, at the longest in a day, maybe like 20 minutes, you know, it just depends on what I'm posting. But a quote, I will say like, you know, my ideal social media self is like at my best, like I plan it out and I use like Trello and I have like, you know... Mm. My words, my captions already done, my pictures laid out, you know, that's like on the best, you know, and that would probably take like an hour of sit down time to get the whole week done. But most of the time it's like, you know, I'm just doing it the day of or whatever. Mm. So I heard you name a couple of tools. You named Canva, mm-hmm. you named Trello, which is like a project management tool for folks who are familiar with Asana, like Trello is similar to Asana. Any other social media tools that you use? There are some, so those are the two main ones that I use for that, Canva, Trello. Yeah, when I do Reels, I use, just use the Instagram Reel platform. Sometimes, you know, yeah, there are yeah. other, like, tons of other video editors, story apps, and things like that. And those I will use um, in my regular, like, my personal social media. But for my business page, those are really the two that I use. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. And so one thing I'll highlight of what you said is, like, because... You picked, because you gave yourself permission to pick the problem that gives you the most energy, you get energy by creating the social media content about the problem. And so just making that connection of like, when you pick the right problem in your business, it actually creates, sets you up to flow in other areas of your business. And so if you didn't pick, if you would have kept with that first problem, then this, I'm making this assumption that this social media work would feel like work because you're, you're pulling from an energy source that like, isn't as joyful as, as this one. And so is, is social media like the main platform you prioritize or, um, do you prioritize other social media platforms and or why? Okay, so uh, yeah, Instagram is really my main one that I use. I just love Instagram. It's easy. I have like a Facebook, but not for my business. It's my personal Facebook. Like I dabble, like I have a Twitter account, but I haven't really figured Twitter out. Or like having you, so Instagram really is like the place to find me right now. I probably intend to like, expand and use LinkedIn and other ones more often. But right now, like my capacity, like I feel like I can do Instagram really good. And so I feel yeah. like- Yeah, I love it because you're super consistent. I feel like every time I log on, I see a post on my feed from you. So like, that's the thing. So I just, I just share that to dispel this myth because I think that's one of the things that people struggle with when they think like social media, they think like, oh, I have to be everywhere. And I, yeah, it just, it just makes it more complicated because people are trying to be on all platforms, which listen, you can do that. 
or you could pick the, the platform that you gives you the most energy that you actually enjoy and be consistent. If you decide to post that content everywhere else, fine. But like picking one platform that like you're, that is your focus and it's going to be the place where you're driving the majority of your content is, is strategic. And that's a part of the strategy. Um, so, you know, someone asked, what are some of the challenges, uh, when you think about, your journey and and launching and growing your consulting business? What would you identify as one or two challenges? Challenges. I would definitely say, you know, some of the initial work with just figuring out my problem statement. We've talked about that and just like narrowing down what it is that I want to do. I also think that, you know, balancing, you know, I work full time. And so really like making the time for it and just like really making that I hold myself like accountable. And so that's why getting a coach was very helpful. Remington, shout out to you again. Um, just like, you know, have someone to like just consistently talk to, consistently be able to bounce ideas off of. And then it's like you're creating, you know, so it's like, it's fun. I call it a challenge, but it's exciting, right? It's exciting to figure out, okay, so once I landed my first like professional development, now I've got to put together my content. Like, so what do I want to do? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Uh, reach out to, you know, how, how am I going to, frame it, but it's a challenge and also excitement, right? And so now that I have like opportunities coming up and you know, and like people reaching out. So now it's like, okay, now I need to start meeting and figuring out, okay, so how do I best meet this person's needs in the framework of what I represent? So I think it's exciting, but you're building, you're creating. And so there is and so that's why I think somebody else also put I think you said you're gonna come back to the community question, Erica. I think mm-hmm. somebody early this idea of how do you find community? I think that is very important too, mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, I, people to bounce ideas off of. I think like being part of Get Lunch Consultants, we still have our Slack channel. And so when I was coming up with some questions or, oh, there's so many, there are a couple of things I've posted on our like Facebook page and on that Slack channel, just because like I really wanted some educators perspective. Oh, there was even like a title to like, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was a title to it um, because at the time I was thinking about doing a webinar. And so I was like, oh, what am I going to call it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so I just put in the Slack, you know, the Facebook page. It was good to have community just help you like kind of flesh through some of these ideas. And so I think the challenge is this idea of you're creating, you're building, you are figuring it all out. But it's exciting because you have the opportunity to connect with other people, network with other people, get insights while also just, you know, learning. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's Shamika. Hopefully I'm I'm pronouncing your name correctly, who asked the question of where do you find community? Shamika, if you click on the link in my bio, if I'm saying your name incorrectly, please let me know in the comments and please correct me because names are important. If you click on the link in my bio, there's a link to the free Facebook community that I have. We are, I think we might be at 800 educators now. I need to go back and look because folks are are joining. There's a lot of folks have been joining recently. And so that is a community, a free community of support. And then Enos also has mentioned the community of through Get Launch Consulting, which is my 12-week program. So Vanessa, the, the link in my bio to that free Facebook group is a professional group for education consultants where it's a space to build community. I share resources there exactly to Enos' point of like, if you have a question, and you want some thought partnership or advice, you could drop the question in the in the Facebook group and folks folks can support you in that way. So and I have a, I think I have one, two last questions. Talk to us about the mindset work. What's been one to two mindsets that you've had to navigate, manage, you might still be managing. What what have been some of those that you have come up as you're you're launching and growing your business? Yeah, this is good. I love all the stuff that we did with mindset and mindset about money and all that. But I would say this idea, so the, making the decision to start my consulting company, I think getting to the place to like this mindset that it is okay for me to this, you know, it is okay for me to expand and to grow, even if I'm in a position and a place where I'm actually like excellent and I am good at what I do as the type, I'm like a type A personality. Right. And so basically like my affirmation comes from being successful. So if I'm being successful at something, like I feel like, yep, I'm good. And so, you know, as an assistant principal, like I'm good at what I do. I'm excellent at what I do. You know, like my teachers do well, they, they, (laughs) they, they perform their ex, you know? And so it was almost kind of like, well, I know you are doing great. You've got so much opportunity. Why, why start something new or why, you know, 
And it was like, well, why not though? Just because, you know, and, and I have to figure out so what is the why, right? The why for me is, yes, I am excellent. I'm good at what I do and I will continue to, but why not continue to expand? Why not create more opportunity? And what I want to do, like there's so much more in, that I can continue to do and so much impact that I have in kids. You know, I've been thinking like, I want to go back and start schools in Ghana. I want to, mm. I want I mean, like, there's just so much that I want to do. I want to, and so I think that giving myself permission, like, and feel like it is okay. Like, I don't have to just stay in my lane, this lane that I think, like, this lane that I am very successful in and doing very well in, but it is okay to, like, dream big and continue to expand and grow. Um, You know, coming back to this idea of the big leap, I found so much comfort when I realized, oh, yeah, I'm great at what I'm doing because that is one of excellence, right? Like, I am excellent at it. And it's okay to move on to your zone of genius or to expand into your zone of genius. And I think that that just was like so liberating because I was really wrestling with this. Yes, yes, I'm a project take up space, right? But I really wrestled with, but I'm with feeling like, well, this is where I need to stay because this is where I'm good and I'm respected and, you know, I'm doing great. And it's like, yes, and now, yes, and let's build, let's grow, let's expand because in me doing so goes beyond just me. It's like, there's so many more lives that can impact so many more kids. Like think about all the kids I can get to be reading and loving books and growing Mm -hmm. and academically increasing their opportunity. So many teachers that can be impacted, so many school leaders. And so I think like when I put in that perspective, it was like, give me this permission to, yeah, be unapologetically like great, right? Yes. Oh my God. I love this so much because let's talk about the way that internalized oppression works. Because the way internalized oppression works is we can see as educators and from people, educators who have identities that have historically been oppressed in this country, we can see the systems of oppression. We can see them. We know they need to be dismantled. And the way internalized oppression shows up is when we see the opportunity for us to dismantle the system, we'll be like, oh, but wait, what will my boss think? Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, but I'm nervous. I'm scared. What will other people think? Or, well, what if I fail? Mm -hmm. And and it's like, yo, how's how's the system going to, like, how are we going to dismantle it? Like, if everybody who is is centered in their values is thinking that way because that's actually the system working is the internalized oppression then puts us in this position of doubting ourselves. Like that's actually the system at working of those who are actually best positioned to dismantle it are continually doubting themselves because the system has continuously reflected back messages that we're not actually supposed to be in rooms of power and decision-making. And we've internalized that just as a result of living in a racist, oppressive society. Like that's uh, internalized oppression isn't, isn't our fault. And when we recognize it within ourselves, we have have the opportunity to be able to exhale and to be able to take up space. And that's a revolutionary act. Like, you know, you going after your business, giving your story, giving your education movie trailer as an educator, as someone whose family has had came to this country for freedom. Like you, that's a revolutionary act, like what you're doing. So I just named that because I see after working with so many educators and helping them launch their education consulting business, I see that internalized oppression come up so much. One of the questions that annoys me, and when I say annoys me, that doesn't mean that like, I'm not going to like you if you ask it. I'm going to just be like, gather you out of love. Is when someone says, "I'm, I'm nervous to do this because of what my boss might think. And I'm like, your boss pay your bills? Like, Girl. Is is your boss laying next to you at night? Like what 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 is your <laughs> boss got to do with your freedom? Like what does that have to do with your freedom? Now read That's... your employee contract to make sure there's not a conflict of interest. But if you don't right. got no conflict of interest, what's your boss gotta do with you going after your freedom? And so That's... I just I just named that because, you know, I love I love that mindset example because it's a hard one. It's a hard one for educators to be able to to manage and it's a hard one for us to to move past because we've actually been conditioned as educators to undervalue ourselves when we're in a profession that pays us my first year teaching $33,000 yep 
My first year of teaching was $33,000. So I am I, I'm in a profession that has taught me and socialized me to be underpaid. Yep. And, and it has socialized me to like play small. Yep. I just say that instead, you know, I, I name all that to like be able to just share so much gratitude and appreciation for you to be able to name that because that's one of the first things that that we as educators have to conquer. And every time I name that for someone I un- or someone names that, I understand it and I get it. And right after I understand it and get it, I want to shake them and be like, this is about your freedom. Go yeah. into your freedom. Who care what everybody else thinks? But like I yeah. want you to get the bag because when you get the bag, the you are going to disrupt. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You are going to disrupt. I want educators to get wealthy because when educators get wealthy, we do power with, not power over. That's right. So like, that's why I want us to get free and, and, and get the bag. Because when we get the bag, we're going to deliver. Yes. We're going to do so well that you want to extend our contract and you want us to come back. Well, But I want us to not be afraid of money. I want us to like money because what money allows us to do is it allows us to change systems. That's right. So that way we don't have to wait on, on Jeff Bezos. We ain't got to wait on Bill Gates. Like we can, we can just, and, and they ain't never taught before. Right. We can, we can disrupt our own system um, and create what we know needs to be true. So that's my little soapbox. Yeah, that's my little soapbox. I'm gonna get get off of it because, well, I'm I'm on it. I'm gonna just calm down. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, so, um, you know, what advice would you give for folks? Ooh, folks trying to pursue a consulting business, I would say just start researching, start investing in all aspects of it. So you know, get the books, read all the things. I read a lot of personal development, but it's going back to this idea of like the mindset work. Where I started reading these books and I'm seeing people out here just taking leaps and just going for it. I'm like, what took me so long? You know, it's, it's, you know, so I definitely would say definitely invest in all aspects. So invest intellectually, like read books, research, do your thing. I would say definitely invest in the community. As Erica mentioned, you know, um, earlier somebody asked, definitely get connected with people. You know, I've connected with Erica, get launched consultant. I got connected with Remington as my coach, but it's really like, it's worth it. And you do have to invest too, right? And so money begets money, right? And and we're trying to get things. There's only so much you can get without, you know, investing financially. So it is important to invest meaningfully, but that will help open doors for you. And it just saves you time. Having a coach, investing a coach, investing in consulting courses, what that does, it saves you time, right? Somebody's already done it. Erica been there and done this. She's been doing this for three years and killing it, right? So why not sit under someone who's already done it, who can help me just like skip hurdles and steps, you know, and get there faster versus like me kind of taking this like slower process. So I would say, yeah, just research, get the books, get the community, invest. Yeah. So, so all of that is like so many gems and I want to like pull out one of the like 10 gems that you just gave is you use the word invest. And that is actually a characteristic of a abundance mindset of like, you see coaching as an investment, you don't see it as an expense. And that's a part of the mindset work that I have, we all as entrepreneurs have to go through and it continues to show up because it's it's an unending, unending journey. But like thinking of, Okay, if I invest a thousand dollars in a coach, how much money could I make as a result of that coaching? Rather than thinking, oh my God, it's a thousand dollars, which it is. And like, uh, please let me tell you, thirty-three thousand dollars first year of teaching, right? Like, I I I get that, and that's something that like I myself have had to work through. Of like, I have paid five figures for coaching, and I was nervous hitting the button, and. Yeah. I've made all of that back plus more as a result of the coaching. And so like being able to that word investment, I, I, I just wanted to pull that out because that's actually mindset work that you've done right. of like seeing coaching as an investment of it's actually putting down a deposit on the money you're getting ready to get back. That's right. Because my first contract, my first contract three years ago, and let me tell you, my my prices three years ago was trash. Okay, <laughs> so I'm just I'm just I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. My first contract three years ago for a day of professional development was sixteen hundred dollars. Wow. So 
if if you could put down a thousand dollars that would get you a step closer or get you to secure that contract because about 40% of folks in get launch consulting get their their get a contract with, during the course of the program we ain't even talking about after the fact but during the program they get contracts but if you could put down a thousand and get 1600 back it's like, well, shoot, I've been I didn't pay for the program. Plus, I got some pocket change. Got and six hundred dollars actually ain't pocket change. Like I could do a couple things. And that's just your first contract. And now you're set up to get more. So just naming that. Um, you know, how can people get in contact with you and who should reach out to you in terms of working with you? How how can you help them? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, Eno Richardson Consulting. I'm also, I have my website, www.enorichardsonconsulting.com. And of course, on email, enorichardsonconsulting.com. And I am here to serve schools, school leaders who are just really wanting to build student academic gains through literature and reading. So I serve schools to help you like just build a robust independent reading program where students are excited about reading, your teachers are excited to get students reading excelling and to really build your literacy work. So that is me. Awesome. Y'all show Inno some love in the chat. Thank her for sharing her story, her wisdom with us tonight. I'm so excited for you. Hearing the way you talk about your problem statement, I'm like, oh yeah, she gonna get folks together. Like she gonna get folks together <laughs> and building a culture of literacy and reading. And just thinking about just this beautiful correlation of you giving yourself the permission to go after your freedom of naming that problem statement that gave you joy, that it's positions you to create freedom for your clients of like thinking about what a culture of reading and and the love of literacy, what that means for kids. Mm -hmm. Like you making the choice of freedom is creating more freedom, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful cycle that we need more of. And oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're getting lots of love in the chat. So I hope you're taking all that in and seeing all of it. (laughs) Well, have a good evening. I'm in your corner. I'm sharing for you forever. And I'm about to go to your IG profile and go double tap on a bunch of pictures just to show you some more love. (laughs) Good weekend. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 